Uh, my name is Dustin Bager, and I work on a variety of sustainable urban agriculture, biophilic projects in a variety of capacities. So uh, I teach at uh, a school, Jasper Place High School. I've been there since 2010. And in that capacity, uh, I've been working on project-based, hands-on sustainability programs. We've put in a couple food forests at the school. We've built an aquaponic system. We built a, like a living wall. We've raised tilapia. And so that's been sort of a really fantastic adventure, exploring all of these topics with, uh, with the students and um, trying to grow some food at the same time. I got started in issues of sustainability, I guess as a kid, and maybe reluctantly so. Uh, gardening was something that my parents were really into. I hated it because it was it was work, right? You come home from school and then you ask to weed the garden. It's the worst thing that you can ask a 13-year-old kid ever. But when I wasn't reluctantly gardening, I essentially was running around in the forest building forts uh, with my brothers and with the neighbors. And I think for me, that was really formative because I saw two systems at play. So you have a garden, which is a lot of work, and you're out there weeding, you're out there tilling, and you're out there making sure there's no pests. And, and yet the forest, which was literally across the road, was feral. It just did its thing. Nobody watered it, nobody tilled it, nobody weeded it. And so for me, I really come at this view of sustainability as a uh, really a design problem and, and design problem I should say where I'm, that I'm trying to use the natural world to solve it so what is what is it about a conventional garden that makes it so much work and what is it about a forest that really manages itself and can we apply the lessons from nature into our human built systems and that whether that's conventional garden bed or an education system or a food security system what kinds of lessons can we draw from from the natural world and um, and apply to the I guess the the, the, the human made one as a province we say okay out of everything that we could potentially be teaching this is what we think is important and that makes up the curriculum that makes up the program of studies so I think if we were to look at that body of knowledge um, you know we teach that in school in a very sort of linear way and I think what the kids are learning in physics, bell goes, and they sort of clear their mind of physics. They go to math class, they learn about math, the bell goes, they clear their mind, you know, and they go off to block three. And I think that that, that structure comes out of sort of an industrial model. Um, and I think it, it really, it does, a, I guess, a decent job of, of simplifying the content and getting it out there. But if we could step back and take a look at that body of knowledge, what you would see is that each of these subjects are intimately connected with the subjects around them. So physics in isolation doesn't really make sense. Mathematics is sort of a tool that you can use in physics. And so I think it's a little bit artificial in how we, we, we set up our subjects. Um, when you're working on uh, a project, it's inherently cross-curricular. So if you're building an aquaponic system, you could say, okay, it's a biology class, we're learning about you know, the nitrogen cycle. But we could also be talking about food security. Um, and we could also be talking about animal husbandry. And we can be talking about uh, plant health. And we, you know, so that you can, you can, oh, and then people wanna know about it. And so let's create a, you know, let's create a manual on this thing. And so now we're taking a look at language skills. Uh, we're taking a look at design. And you inevitably touch on all of these different I guess outcomes and to go back to that model of a forest you know the reason why that forest is very is very sustainable is very resilient is because of all of those connections so 
I mean, if you take something like a tree, things are living on it, things are living in it. Uh, the mulch falls on the ground, and it, you know, the tree's sequestering carbon, and it's it's building soil, and there's whole life cycles and things are living and dying in that soil and you know a, a a bee comes and pollinates a flower and it takes off some nectar and i mean there's just it's just connections and it's relationships and it's it's a it's a mess and it's but it's very resilient it's you know you can cut a couple of those connections and the forest the forest stays intact you know i think if we are taking a look at at learning you know if you i mean if you can learn that way then you can come across an outcome maybe you learn it and five or six different ways or see how it connects to five or six other concepts and I think it's that it's that network it's that jumble of information that makes those concepts resilient in the mind of the students if that makes sense right I mean if you learn about I don't know the quadratic equation in math class that's great but if you're using that quadratic equation in physics class and God knows in social studies class I mean if you're if you're if you can tie meaning to it from multiple disciplines then that becomes a resilient sort of idea, I think, in the mind of the learner. And the only way that I really know how to tackle that is through projects. I think there's a little bit of an analogy between perhaps the traditional way that we go through classes and some robust way in which we can connect knowledge to sort of real-world project-based experiences. Um, and so I think wanting to garden like an ecosystem, like I, I kind of want to teach like an ecosystem if I can. Food security is a big topic. You know, I know at a school like Jasper Place High School, uh, I believe the statistic that gets thrown around is uh, one in five students are coming to school hungry. I think provincially it's one in seven, um, which is which is a lot of students. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. It could be a you know, a, um, you know, financial why they don't have the food, or it could be. Uh, a lack of skills or what do I do with that food uh, it could be a lack of transportation um, it could be uh, a lack of cultural capital so if you're you know if you're a recently um, uh, immigrated um, family and you're here for the first time and you know you don't know the place or some of the foods that you're used to aren't available so there's a lot of different reasons uh, reasons for it. I suppose that the, the aspect of food security that I've been playing around with the most would be around the, on the food side of things. Um, you know, with the school, we've, I've been interested in growing food, especially, you know, if I can grow food like an ecosystem. More to the point, like the reason for doing those kinds of initiatives in schools is, is really the transfer of knowledge, right? Uh, I mean, you can grow somebody a carrot, give it to them, they have a carrot. But if you can teach somebody how to grow carrots then you know you get carrots for life and then there's I mean that's just the growing side but then there's also the, the you know the processing side that what do you do with that carrot so I think it's a, it's a pretty big topic but I think schools more and more are interested in exploring it so a year ago at Jasper Place High School we uh, received funding from Breakfast for Learning which is supported by um, Loblaws and uh, to basically create and run a a breakfast program at the school. So each morning, myself and a dozen students, we sort of convene in the kitchen. Uh, we take raw ingredients and we basically make a breakfast every morning, uh, serve that to students for free. What's nice about the program is, is I think in addition to providing free breakfast for students who, who need it, we're also working on some food literacy skills for the students who are, who are you know, in the kitchen. And so, you know, they're learning about safety and hygiene and they're also learning about uh, 
uh, prep and sanitation. And so it, um, you know, those are skills that they'll then be able to take home and, and uh, hopefully put to good, to good use. The, we did a little survey. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to know the exact, um, I'm not going to be able to quote the exact numbers off the top of my head, but, you know, we asked the students who are accessing the program if it helped with hunger, and they said absolutely. And we asked them about, um, you know, eating habits, and a pretty sizable chunk of them said that it, it had an improvement on their eating habits. Um, a pretty good chunk said that their attention in class had improved, um, and that their happiness and um, quality of their friendships had improved as well. So for a lot of the students, there's, you know, there's a social aspect to it as well, which, which often comes with food. I'm pretty optimistic about the future. I've seen a lot of really fantastic kids who really embraced a lot of these ideas and have been running with it. You know, there's this sort of idea in, um, in permaculture that, you know, interesting things happen at the edge, at the edge of a forest as an example, or it could be the edge of a movement. And, and I think the role of, you know, people who have this, this, this vision inherently want to do good is to, is to push and move that edge a little bit because at first it seems a little quirky and a little bit weird, but uh, who knows, there might be a day when school food forests and um, community gardens and, uh, is, is perfectly normal. I think for me the reason why I like to garden is because of this belief that I have that you, as a species we can work with and manipulate the natural world in ways that, that benefit us and it. I think that there's a cultural narrative that humans bad, right? And if we touch anything, especially anything to do with nature, we're going to instantly make it worse. Um, you know, you hear kids talk about, oh, the planet would be so much better off if uh, people just disappeared. And uh, I think it, that's unfortunate to hear that because there's some pretty amazing things that people can do. And, and I, I just have this, I've always had this really kind of strong sense that you can interact with the natural world in ways that benefit it and, and, and benefit people. It doesn't have to be, you know people versus planet it can be both and so I think food has been a really good context for me to explore that because everybody eats and if you can grow food in a way that benefits the natural world then I think that's that's pretty inspiring because some of the ways that we grow food don't necessarily do that so if I were to look at an ideal world I think I would be looking at a world in which that that cultural narrative of you know we're gonna make everything worse sort of flips because I think if, if you inherently believe that we can benefit the natural world it becomes so much less daunting right like the kids have these especially the kids now I mean they've been hearing about climate change their entire lives and the story that they're told is just like you know we are messing it up it's, it's not a very empowering message and I think that they kind of feel like this this weight and it's just like you know I'm going to inherit this and um there's nothing I can do about it personally. And so I think if you believe that you can interact with the world in beneficial ways, I think that changes what's possible, or it highlights, I guess, what has always been possible. And so, you know, I think when it comes to, comes to education, you know, I would really like, I think an education system that embraces the natural world or a world that embraces the, the, the natural world, um, a public that embraces the natural world, 
in inherently would probably start modeling some of its own systems after natural processes. And so I think if you can reflect some of that forest ecosystem, the network within this, the actual structure of a school or the structure of a city or the structure of a food network, I think you end up with something that I think inherently creates abundance, is a benefit to the natural world and the, and the individuals who, who interact with it. I think that it's sustainable. And I think it's inherently uh, a more interesting place to live.